Uh, welcome back to the 8 o'clock hour, 13 degrees in the capital region, maybe a high of 20, some rain showers. Had some yesterday when uh, we had Mark Spector on just before we bring in uh, Spec. Uh, text, uh, not a text, uh, actually a, a tweet coming in from Adam Schefter. Starting next season, the NFL is expanding practice squads on all 32 teams to include one international player, helping to create more football opportunities for athletes from around the world to be identified and developed. And right now you can hear Dean Faithful texting his agent saying, hey man, let's check into this. I'm coming off on a high on Saturday night. Let's uh, Maybe I can get some of that NFL dough. Uh, all right, uh, our daily guest at 8 o'clock is Mark Spector on the mark. Fueled by Booster Juice, you can download the new Booster Juice Rewards app today to start earning berry points. Yes, berry points for delicious and nutritious smoothies, drinks, and food that will get you through the day. Morning, Spec. How's your night? What's shaking, big fella? Well, I'm listening to that Adam Schefter uh, <laughs> tweet. I saw it this morning. Yeah. And you know what? The, the thing, I think, I mean, a guy like Dean Faithful, sure. But, you know, what nation in the world produces the second most amount of North American football players? I mean, I'm not talking football like soccer. I'm talking our football. It's got to be Canada, doesn't it? That's where we play the game. So Mm -hmm. what that tells me is there could be some CFL teams getting robbed of their top Canadian because he's likely going to make more on the practice roster than he's making up here in most cases, not in all, but in a lot of cases. Yeah, that's a good point for sure. Good point. Um, last night, uh, late in the afternoon, the big news, of course, in the hockey world was uh, Mike Babcock, Paul Bissonnette. I don't imagine the two are having coffee this morning, huh, Speck? <laughs> no, and uh, you know what? It's a goofy one. It's really turned into a he said, she said yes. uh, thing. But you know what? I, I, I'm staying out of this thing because mm-hmm. I don't have a dog in this fight. Uh, Babcock's, you know, his history is his history. It's a little sketchy when it comes to human relations departments. And uh, Bissonette, uh, he's got his own uh, history to deal with as well when it comes to saying stuff that doesn't always pan out. So I'll just say this. All the names that are on the record here, right? Yes. All the guys that have pinned their names on this thing, Johnny Goodrow, Boone Jenner, They've said, hey, this is cool. Uh, We've done this thing and we're fine with it. The guys that are saying that it's untowards and that Babcock's doing something shaky or goofy, none of those guys have put their name on this thing. So, you know, if if you're asking me, I got to pick a side. Uh, As a journalist, I'm picking the side of the guys that are putting their name on this thing. Um, But... Let's see where it goes. Mike Commodore doesn't count because his his <laughs> anyone who's been on Twitter knows what his feelings are about Mike Babcock. He would be what I'd call a hostile witness. <laughs> Good guy and all that stuff, but I'm not going to him for his opinion on Mike Babcock, I don't think. No, I think you hit that on the head. And again, it, it, everything stories like this, they get legs, as we call it in the yeah. business. And I don't know, 10 years ago, this wouldn't have been, even have been a – a story probably, but because of social media and things like that, it just carries on, carries on, carries on. Uh, we'll we'll address a lot of this in our nine o'clock and uh, ten o'clock hour when we guess with uh, David Schlemko as he comes in every Wednesdays on the Kevin Carey Show. But uh, Spec, uh, I guess today is really when the season starts uh, because you've got uh, medicals and fitness testing for uh, the young Oiler rookies before they head out to Penticton. Are you going to Penticton at all? 
I am not going to Penticton okay. this year. No, I've been many times yeah. and love the event. Uh, but frankly, because the Oilers don't have that sexy a roster, uh, you know, my place decided we probably don't need to be there. And that means that you can't, you know, do your cycling and your golfing and all that stuff. In, 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 <laughs> it's pure work there, Kevin. Uh, pure work. Listen, uh, you, Rhinestone <laughs> City, buddy. Yeah. It's, there's an old <laughs> saying, Speck. You lie to your friends, uh, I'll lie to mine, but let's not BS each other. <laughs> um, anyone come out of this camp? I mean, you got everyone mentions Borgo and, you know, maybe a couple other guys. But again, the, the it, it's just the way it is. The Oilers don't have all the sachet, the marquee players, high draft picks going to a, a camp like this. So it's more about, as we talked about yesterday, it's more about getting these young kids in tune and to kind of feel what it's like to be in a pro organization. Yeah, it's a weird dynamic. You know, first thing i got to say to you is, I mean, I, I don't know how many they've had of these things. Let's say 14 or 15, and I'll bet you I've been to 12 of them. Yeah. Because um, it's a really good place to work. And, yeah, sure, you get a golf game in and all that. But the first thing I'm going to say to you is the superstar, like the first overalls never stand out. Taylor Hall didn't stand out. Connor McDavid barely stood out. Now, he barely played in it as well, I'll give you that. Um you know, Nelly Akpov barely stood out. Broberg, Philip Broberg went there last year as a 21-year-old and was the most experienced and the best player there, uh, you know, by some measure, in my opinion, didn't stand out. So it's it's a weird setup, Kev, because guys are coming from every different type of league. There's a bunch of guys that, that to fill out the rosters that are basically on a, just an invite you know, they just, the Oilers invite some kid and give him a shot just for fun. And if he does well, he might get a shot with the East Coast League team. So there's no systems. The power plays are a bunch of guys that met each other yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's not a place where, it, it's kind of weird. Like, again, I'll tell you, I've seen some of the best players come through there for different organizations and they don't take the place by storm because hockey's a team sport and the team dynamic there suffers because it's a whole bunch of guys who are going to shake hands today and be on the ice together tomorrow. Well, and the other thing, if you look at the the roster coming to this camp, the Oilers had to invite a lot of guys as camp invites. So this would be... Guys that weren't drafted, um, guys that maybe they had their eye on or, or whatever, uh, they had to increase the, the, the amount of players at this camp just to get to a number where they can, you know, have a game, where they can uh, ice a roster. Field a team. Yeah, where they right. can ice a roster. So, um, you know, there are a few guys that I think people will be keeping an eye on. And I think, you know, the Max Wiener kid that played in Moose Jaw will be a guy that. Yep. Uh, well, a lot of people will be keeping an eye on. Carter Savoy is another one, and he's a local guy. Um, did you ever get a chance to see him play when he was when he was here? Kind of, you know, going through the the uh, the minor hockey academy ranks and, and things like that. I did not. Mm-hmm. I, w- I would have to say I did not. But I know one thing about him is he's got the gift to score. Yeah. You know, and and anyone who's been around the game at all knows that. You know what? You can work at your score and you can work at your shot and a lot of guys improve their offensive production. But other guys are kind of born with that knack of putting the puck in the net and it seems like he might be one of them. So you can look at Carter Savoy and say, mm-hmm. oh, I wish he was bigger or oh, I wish he skated better. But you know what you don't wish? That he could bury the puck better. 
So I'm giving this guy a look all day long because, you know, hockey is littered with guys. You know, Brett Hall didn't skate any good. <laughs> Brett Hall wasn't in very good shape. But what did Brett Hall do? The puck went in the net all the time when he was on the ice. So uh, I've got all day to see how Carter Savoy pans out. Yeah, and Brett Hall, one of the best quotes in hockey all time. I will play for free. Sure was. Yeah, I will play for free, but you'd have to pay me a lot to practice. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, the the Brett Hull Ken Hitchcock battle oh, legendary man, wasn't it? Le- I was in the room one time when they were in a you know what fight, and I was trying to talk to some young player, and that young guy's eyes were like frying pans. He's looking around like, is this what the N- is this what happens in the NHL? The best player and the coach are telling each other to you know what? Oh my God! <laughs> and you know what? I and at the end of the day, I think there is. A, a respect for each other between the two of them because they won in 99. Oh, of course. You know? Of course, there's a huge respect. But at the time, you know, the legendary story that 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 uh, Brett Hall tells about uh, Ken, uh, Ken Hitchcock won ever to dump the puck in. Yeah. Hall says, you chip it out, you chip it over, and you chip it in. We're a three-chip team, he says. <laughs> then they have a practice, and they're practicing breakaways. He gets the puck at center, takes a stride, and chucks it in the corner. <laughs> because he says that's how we play here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Very, uh, you know, that's those are two stubborn personalities for sure. Um, uh, you know, the, you know what? And the two of them, I don't know why, but it, it, again, I guess it was because the Oilers were playing Dallas so many times. We we saw it firsthand, I guess, when we kind of look at that dynamic between the two of them. Uh, we're going to break away. Spec, uh, Mark Spector joins us on the Kevin Carey Show. Talk a little baseball. Did you have a chance to watch that Blue Jays game last night? You know what? I watched the one the night before. I, I saw the first five innings last night. I, I le- had to go out mm-hmm. before Scherzer got pulled off the mound. Would he go six? Six and a third, I believe. Uh, and then yeah. as uh, the Duke said in the uh, sports update, he had just sort of like a, a little bit of a, a cramp kind of thing in his tricep. Yeah. He, he, Anyhow, yeah. I, sorry, go ahead. No, well, you could see him. He tried to work through it, took one. Actually, I don't think he even threw the pitch. He just went through the motion and said, ah, we ain't going. But at that point, you know, if you're the Blue Jays, you just go, okay, this guy has uh, basically ran the show for six and a third. Now you get to the bullpen, and you don't even have a sniff. Um, Jose Leclerc came in. Vladimir Guerrero swung at a pitch probably three feet outside. It was, I mean... No one can understand how much of a funk this guy is in. No one understands it. Uh, no one has an answer to get back. I mean, he was DHing last night. Spec. He, as soon as he came back after every at bat, goes to the iPad, looks at what he's doing. He must be going. What am I doing? What do you see from a guy that has a pretty good ba- baseball background? Well, he does. Like you know, we make these comparisons. In- Well, I think we might have lost Speck. Uh, we'll try to hook up with Speck again. I just uh, lost him on that one. Um, the Duke will try to uh, hook up with Speck for a few more minutes here. Yeah. Uh, so Blue Jays now with two losses to Texas, the Rangers vault over the Jays in the American League wild card. And Seattle won again last night. So uh, actually the Mariners had been in a little bit of a funk, to be honest with you. Uh, Seattle wins last night. They're three and seven. The Mariners are in their last 10. So uh, Texas, 80 and 64. Uh, They've got a half game lead on Seattle and the Jays, but the Jays are uh, 
tied with Seattle with 80 and 65, but Seattle's got them on a tie break. Uh, so, Speck, I think we got you back. Uh, just your thoughts on uh, on Vladdy G and, and the Jays. Well, listen, I was just going to say, Vladdy Sr. swung at all kinds of bad pitches, but he hit them and often out of the yard. Uh, Vladdy Jr. here, this isn't recent, and, and it doesn't appear that it's going to get fixed this year. When a, when a guy that we expect to hit a lot of home runs and be a big offensive contributor has a bad month, we say, okay, don't worry, we'll get him next month. And then he has a bad two months, and you go, well, he's going to come out of this thing. And then he has a couple good games, and we go, okay, Vladdy's back, and guess what? You know, I, I don't know how many games exactly are left, but there's only about 20 or less. And this guy hasn't found it all season long. I read uh, Steve Simmons this morning, a real good piece in the Toronto mm-hmm. Sun. And he's, uh, he's you know, he's he's ranked like 40th in, in offensive categories and 30th in offensive categories. Uh, he has not, he's lost something this year and they've been searching and searching. Don't think the Blue Jays are sitting around waiting for this problem to solve itself. They're like a duck, right? They're trying to play it cool with Vladdy all year, but underneath the water, this organization is exploring every single element that might try to get their big guy out of his funk and they can't find it and they can't get him out of it. So last night was just another occasion where they needed his big bat mm-hmm. and it wasn't there for him been the, it's been i've been watching the blue jays all year long i've watched that game 50 times where an early hit uh, you know a little bit of production from the big guy might have made the difference in a game that was two nothing for the longest time and it wasn't there it's not there bo bichette is so far and away a better offensive producer uh, at this point in his career than vladdy guerrero it's not even close so uh, don't ask me yeah. what's wrong. I'm not, I'm not the, you know, I, I can't come in and diagnose the guy's swing. It's pretty obvious to anyone. You don't need to be a baseball expert. He's swinging at too many bad pitches. His, his recognition, pitch recognition is poor, which it's a mental thing. That's not a physical thing. It's going on in his head. And listen, this is a guy who's watching this season go down the toilet and he can't stop it. And does that mess with your mind, Kev? Mm-hmm. You bet it messes with your mind. Name the sport. I've watched a lot of guys in a lot of slumps, and the longer the slump goes, the more tied in knots they get. Well, Vladdy Guerrero is tied in one of the tightest knots you're ever going to see right now. Man, is he ever. Um... Well, Speck, thanks for this. Uh, you got anything special cooking for today? I'm going down to the, uh, I'll go up to Rogers, yep. uh, Kevin. I'll watch, uh, talk to a couple of the rookies before they head out to Penticton. And uh, then we'll see what happens from there. Look like a couple quiet days on the orders front if you're yeah. not in Penticton. I know uh, Leon and Connor are down in uh, Vegas at yes. the uh, at the NHL uh, car wash down there. So <laughs> probably a nice quiet weekend at the lake for Spec, and then uh, camp opens next week, partner. And that'll be the last quiet weekend. Maybe I'll drive out and see what's going on out there. It won't be so quiet. I got a cold beer for you and a football game on Friday night. We'll watch Dean Faithful. Pump them through the uh, goalposts again, pal. Yeah, I saw you last <laughs> night having a cold beer. Uh, yeah, well, you know. <laughs> Gotta right. enjoy the summer while it's still around, pal. Yeah, thanks, Peck. We'll talk to you tomorrow morning. That's uh, right. Roger Sportsnet. Uh, Mark Spector on the mark, energized by Booster Juice. You can get the boost you need at Booster Juice. When we come back, our headliner of the day, Darren Rovell. Man, he has some things to talk about. Uh, This is the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440.
Welcome back to the big program, 821 in the Capital Region, uh, looking at a high of about 1920 degrees. Uh, let's bring in our headliner of the day right off the hop here, brought to you by Mr. Reuter. At Mr. Reuter, they only employ the finest organic grain-fed free-range plumbers. For all your plumbing needs, go to mrreuter.com as we welcome in Darren Rovell from Action Network. Uh, Darren, welcome to the big program. How are you making out today? Um, good. Thanks for having me. Um, I, I, before we get to all the stuff that we wanted to get to, to last week, I noticed you had a post out about uh, Jimmy Buffett when he passed. Uh, are you a parrot head? Uh, I mean, you must follow the, the music and things. Uh, just your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, I just, you know, I, I, I think I just respected his his free, you know, way of life. And he, he, he was simple, right? Um, very, very simple. But... The, just how eloquently he described, you know, what makes a successful life. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think hit me and and hit a bunch of other people on Twitter. So that yeah. was just from his from 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 his book about you know what a life fulfilled should be. Yeah, for sure, uh, man. Some good times uh, that he uh, he gave everyone. Uh, no doubt about yep. that. Uh, Darren Ravel from the Action Network is our um, headliner of the day. Um, we were going to talk about, uh, for the most part, uh, the Michael Jordan jersey uh, yeah. situation. And it's funny, when we were going to have you on last week and you had to catch a plane, you had to kind of rewrite an article last week about the Jordan jersey uh, situation, the authentication. Um, can you kind of give us an update where everything is at with that? Yeah, you know, it's 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 strange, right? Like you have a the, the jersey now, you know, jerseys and photo matching and you know that's what we're doing in in sports collectibles right now where you have a jersey, you say it's game used, you take a photograph, there's a photograph from the past that someone's taken and then there's companies that match it up and say he wore this in this game and you know, last week there was a question as to whether Jordan wore this game, wore this jersey in the 1993-1994 Eastern Conference Finals game. My Gray, who was the who's the kind of authenticator of a record, um, said that they got two photos from a foundation of a photographer that, and hey, this matches. And then, mm-hmm. you know, I guess sleuths who are just regular collectible guys in the industry say, no, nah, this doesn't match to the video. You know, the Jersey does not look the same. And my great kind of came back with a, okay, that's okay, but we still stand by it. And then all of a sudden things started unraveling. And, you know, I found out that there wasn't really a foundation. These are fake photos, you know, and who knows if this is even game used. And, further found out that the guy behind it was basically this anonymous critic of the memorabilia industry who had gained a lot of traction um, called card porn. That was his name. And uh, it's just a, it's a wild story. Found a couple other stories about him committing fraud with other people and doing things. And just uh, probably one of the top five weirdest and most intricate, you know, stories I've mm-hmm. ever done in my 25 years of journalism. Crazy. Uh, Darren Ravel's our guest on the Kevin Carey show on Sports 1440. Uh, Darren, uh, how often does the authenticity come into question? And was this maybe the biggest jersey that it's happened to? 
Yeah, I mean, listen, this photo matching is a little bit suspect in general, right? You're taking a a high-res photo and saying, oh, you know, there's imperfections in jerseys. There's there's strings that come out of things. There's, you know, there's various marks. There's imperfections. And then we take a photo and we – I think it's an inexact science. But over the last couple years, there's been so much interest in – you know, game use stuff that, you know, this has taken on a life of its own. And we've never really thought about the systems by which we, we then get to, you know, the final product. And now all you have, all of a sudden you have a guy who says, okay, you know, sometimes there are unpublished photos and a photographer has those unpublished photos. And I mean, he basically games the entire system uh, that trusts, that, you know, these things are authentic. And so, you know, basically creating uh, things that are not authentic and trying to pass them off in the way that he did, I think makes us question kind of the industry. I don't think game use stuff is going to go down, but I, it, it kind of questions like, you know, you take a jersey and make it game used and you say, hey, this photo matches to a finals game and then all of a sudden you're like wow this jersey you know there was a jersey from the 98 finals that sold for 10.1 million dollars and it's so much is based on the fact that you believe it is indeed a match and jordan wore it so uh the arbitrage opportunities are great by taking a jersey that is game used and then figuring out what game but i guess so are the the scamming opportunities Darren Ravel's our guest on the Kevin Carey Show, our headliner of the day for Mr. Reuter. Um, you do so much in collectibles and, and things like that, Darren. How, how would you say the state of the business is right now? I think it's pretty good. I mean, I think the unique, I tend to do more of the unique stuff. I think, um, you know, I think the modern cards, you know, kind of have a, a false scarcity whereby, you know, there's all these one-of-one cards but like, you know, there's 15 different colors of a rainbow of it. So like, <laughs> is it really that unique? Um, I, you know, I was at the National Sports Collectors Convention in Chicago, you know, only a couple months ago, and you know, looking around and seeing kids, you know, with $25,000 Patrick Mahomes cards, I, the card market I don't really, I don't really get uh, with the quantities that exist out there. Um, I mean, I'm, I, I tend to, I love tickets more and, and mm-hmm. other really unique things. Um, and I personally feel more comfort in it as a, as a, you know, a, a alter, alternative asset, uh, vehicle versus, you know, just the cards, but the cards are, you know, as liquid as you can imagine, you know, the, the day before something sold for this and, you know, you're going to get this and you can get out your money and it should be that. And I think other things that are one of one aren't that easy, but I actually have comfort, more comfort in that type of stuff. 829 in the capital region. If you've got a question or comment uh, for Darren Ravel, shoot it off to us at one 401 1440 When you did mention the, the ticket stubs that you, you have uh, in your collection, can you run us down? How big is this collection of ticket stubs? In like, have you, can you maybe expand on some of the the crazier ones sure. or the, the the ones that you really really value? Yeah, I have about eighteen hundred of oh. them. Um, they're they're all they're all slabbed and authenticated. Um, 
my the, my biggest sale was I sold the the most pristine full ticket to the night that Marilyn Monroe sang Happy Birthday to JFK oh. uh, for ninety four thousand dollars. <laughs> um, you know, I I have probably what I the most valuable ones I have now. I have I have a ticket to the very first day at Disney uh, that was owned by Walt Disney's chief cartoonist Hamilton Lusk. Um, I have. Uh, I like I have a lot of JFK stuff, so mm-hmm. I have I have the, a ticket to the dinner that never happened. I have a I have a uh, media pass to to welcome him at the uh, airport in Dallas. Um, you know I have uh, many Apollo Eleven launch tickets and uh, the Rudy game where you know Rudy yeah. uh, from 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 the movie. I have that autographed by Rudy. Um, uh, you know, just I have the actual game that inspired the movie Hoosiers to so the 1954 oh. Indiana High School State Championship. Um, just and you know, I, I went around sports and figured out, you know, what do I need to get? What are the you know the Christian Leitner shots signed by Leitner? Hmm. Um, you know, just just some some pretty some pretty wild ones. I like people to to look at them and say, wow, that's 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 insane okay. that you know, that existed or this existed. And it's, it, for me, it's, you know, it's real, it's real scarcity, you know, um, tickets, people didn't really, there wasn't a place to put your tickets. You put it on the bulletin board, you put it on the fridge, you put it in the yeah. shoebox, and you didn't put it in like, like cards. They didn't have sheets. And so that's why things didn't survive as much. And, you know, the fact that, um, the fact that PSA, which grades cards all of a sudden said, we're going to grade tickets, that kind of gave me a confidence to get into it. Are you a Seinfeld guy, Darren? I'm just, yeah, I'm a Seinfeld guy, sure. So yeah. if Peterman sent you out to buy JFK's golf clubs, how much would you spend? <laughs> <laughs> I've been try- I've actually, So I've been actually trying to get the second Spitter Mets game ticket uh, for a while. Uh, <laughs> the Keith Hernandez. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Kind of, but the, the, the issue is, and this, this, these are the issues that happen sometimes, you know, you look for the date, like, so the date of the game, I think, is June 17th, like, 1987. Okay. I think that was the date. And you look, and then it's like, wait a second, they're not playing who they said they were playing. And, you know, sometimes it's very, it's it's, it's hard. It, it, they they didn't exactly get the, um, oh, my God, the magic loogie. I yes. Think I hit it. I, I, it is June 17th, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so I've been looking for that for a while. Um uh, but yeah, no, there's, there are some games. I like that. I actually have the ticket to the game from back to the future Two when Biff was in the car, <laughs> when old Biff was in the car with young Biff and, and, uh, UCLA is playing like Washington state or whatever. And, and he goes, you know, mm, the game's not over. Wow. UCLA's going to win this game. And obviously he had the sports almanac. So I have the ticket to that very game, which is kind of cool as well. Yeah, it, it was Roger McDowell in the grassy knoll, wasn't yes, it? Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> uh, classic Seinfeld episode as we're... Uh... And I was, I'm was i a Mets fan. So, oh, okay, you know, you cool. Gotta, yeah, you yeah. got to be able to laugh when your only title when you're alive is 1986. <laughs> Sports business reporter Darren Ravel from the Action Network is our headliner of the day. Uh, text comes in uh, from Kendall. I stopped collecting recently as I found myself um, specifically and chasing... Uh, limited editions, which rarely came around. He spent over a thousand dollars. He says, Kendall. So, do you do you find that? What what would your advice be to 
collectors kind of using that or taking that process? Yeah, I mean, you you know, it's very easy to become obsessed with things. I think you need to, um, I need you, you need to figure out. You know, I think the hardest part is like, especially during COVID, like we were buying everything. Like, I was just praying that the packages didn't show up with eBay tape on it because my wife was like, again, yeah. <laughs> you know. But I had an alibi if there was no tape on it. I'd be like, you know, it's just another it's a package. Yeah. But literally, twenty things were showing up a day just to keep my my psyche going in the middle of COVID. Uh, I think I think you just have to try to try to stay focused in some way, uh, not to go all over the place. I think it helps, you know, if you have if it's like just limited editions mm-hmm. or it's something that, you know, whatever it is, it really helps to stay focused. That's that's how you uh, you know, your your collection has more value when it's all together. So I'd say, like, know what you stand for. Just don't be all over the place. I know for for me, um, you know, I collect movie stuff, I collect tickets, I collect checks, you know, and and then, you know, again, those things are more valuable as a collection instead of just one off piecemeal. So collect the guy, collect the just just have a theory. Um, don't just willy nilly start buying things because that's when it can get out of control. And the, the sum, you know won't be equal to the parts if you if you're just all over the place. John texts in at one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. I'm not sure you can answer this, Darren, but he says I have a signed Andre Agassi game worn shoe from nineteen ninety. Any idea what something like that is worth? Well the pro the problem with those the shoes from the nineties, I mean I I think uh John, I think you know, your problem is going to be probably deteriorated a lot. I mean, I have, I have a, a Jimmy Connors U.S. Open 91 shoe and, you know, basically looks like, uh, uh, you know, cottage cheese. The, the, the bottom is they're all, you know, very deteriorated. So it depends on, on how much, you know, deterioration there is. And, you know, again, it comes down to like, is there a photo match? Is there a letter? Uh, is there something that can definitely tie you? The problem, you know, if you didn't get it recently, is that the authenticity is not, you know, the greatest. Right. The provenance of where it comes from, how it got from the court to you, isn't the greatest. So, got a couple quick ones for you, just uh, on your recent articles, as we were uh, with Darren Rovell on Kevin Carey's show on Sports fourteen forty. After what happened Monday night in New York with Aaron Rodgers, you had an article uh, about uh, should sports books refund bets because of that uh, injury. Can you kind of get to the genesis of that article? Yeah, I mean, listen, sports books are refunding bets now all the time, it seems like. And, you know, I know in, in, in Vegas, you know, the Nevada Gaming Control Board doesn't even allow you to do that. You know, a, a bet is a bet. Um, but since at least in the U.S., uh, you know, for the past five years, is it's been been legal in states. Um, this has been a tactic by these companies to, you know, try to make sense of things. And you know, the way it, it's kind of a trick in that there's a lot of eyeballs, especially if they're public companies, on how they spend from a marketing perspective. And if you you can grade it as a loser, so you can grade like the under on 
passing uh, the the over on passing yards, for example, on Aaron Rodgers, even though he didn't have a yard, as a loser. But then you mm-hmm. can then award the same amount that the person bet in bonus bets. And so you're actually then logging it as revenue that you take in, and then you're giving back money in, a, in bonus bets, which means you're not showing that you're spending marketing dollars, which reduces the customer acquisition cost and the customer retention cost. So it's kind of like a trick, um, but I know that traditionalists are like, no, a, a, a bet is a bet. If the guy gets injured, he gets injured. That's why it's called a bet. Um, and it's interesting to me that, you know, I think 18,000 people answered the poll that I had on Twitter. Mm-hmm. You know, most people believe that that's how it should be, that, that they shouldn't get their money back, that it's that unfortunate things happen. But that's 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 one of the things that you're you're up against when you make a bet. Imitation Tom texts in. Uh, if they had an insurance type bet, it would make sense for the casino. Well, that's an, that's always an interesting one. Right. Like buy some sort of insurance. Yes, absolutely. That, 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 that could make sense. Um, but, you know, it's almost like everyone looks around and says, they're doing it, they're doing it, they're mm-hmm. doing it. And, you know, if you're not doing it, are you a bad book? Or, I don't know. Um, but at least two books said, nope, you know, losers are losers. <laughs> one last one for you, Darren, uh, and thanks for sticking around here. Um, uh, just uh, uh, the article you had about the Wisconsin bar. Uh, losing big after the uh, the bet with uh, Aaron Rodgers and the or Jets. or maybe or they're winning big. I guess the, <laughs> the the patrons lost big. Yeah, no, just the idea that hey, you you come in. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers, you know, lifelong quarterback. What was he with? He was in Green Bay. Yeah, so what seventeen years? Uh, you know, and and then goes to the Jets, and so they had a promotion. Aaron Rodgers has to start the game. If he starts, this promotion unlocks. You get a wristband. You have to give in your credit card. And then if the Jets lose, uh, you get your drinks for free. So Aaron Rodgers gets knocked out minutes into the game. People start drinking. Everyone, each individual person had to have a bar tab. You know, obviously they're emboldened by the fact that now Zach Wilson's in the game. The Jets are not going to win. You know, they're against yeah. the Bills, for God's sake. They're drinking, they're drinking, they're drinking. And then, wow, this is hilarious. While the local news station is kind of – saying what was happening, that's when the Jets won in overtime. Oh. And you can see people in the background realizing they're now going to have to pay for their bar bill. <laughs> and it's amazing. I mean, it's amazing. You know, and I spoke to the bartender, and she's like, yeah, people knew the deal. It didn't get too out of control. I mean, maybe that's Milwaukee. If, if, if it was a Jets-Bills game and it was on the Bills, it was the other way around, and that was in New York City, forget about it. That video would be really ugly. Oh, man, good stuff. Hey, Darren, thanks for all, all your insight. Uh, great conversation. Really appreciate it. Hopefully we can do it you again sometime. It. Anytime. Okay. All right, that's our headliner of the day, Darren Ravel from the Action Network, brought to you by Mr. Rooter. There's a reason that they call the Mr. for all your plumbing needs. You can go to mrrooter.ca. At the top of the hour, it'll be our Wednesday co-host, David Schlemko. We'll get to some of your texts regarding baseball. And um, Darren Ravel had some good comments here. Uh, we will do that right after the break. This is the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. 44 in the Capital Region. Welcome back to the big program. Um, at the top of the hour, we will have our Wednesday co-host, uh, 
David Schlemko, former NHLer, played over 400 games in the NHL. Looking forward to have Schlemmer in studio. Once again, did a great job uh, last week. Uh, we touched off the top of the show, Duke, and you're having a little trouble thinking about this one. Uh, we did say the one texter sent in uh, one of the correct answers. It's not, a, And it's not a, a set-in-stone answer, but one of the obvious ones, and, and that was Oscar Kleffbaum. What player in Edmonton Oilers history... Who would be the top two or three in your mind that just played in Edmonton, present company excluded? So no Connor McDavid, no Leon Dreisaitl, no Darnell Nurse, no Ryan Nugent Hopkins. If you think you might have, you know, a suggestion, send it our way at one 401 1440 Duke, this has kind of stumped you a little bit, hasn't it? Yeah, you got to go back. You every I, every name I can think of is like, oh no, well they either started somewhere else or departed, or you know had a stop in Edmonton between two other places. And in terms of career Oilers, I'm I'm totally drawn a blank because all the names that immediately come to mind, of course, recency bias are all those uh, current Oilers that you you just listed off that you said I'm not allowed to choose from. So <laughs> well, um, I mean, it's not like this is uh, Poland circa 1939 here, but you could probably guess some other ones. Um, you know, here's a situation where do you think that there are um, guys out there on this list that maybe people don't think of? Uh, you have to go back. I the, the guy that I'm thinking of goes back a little ways, probably mid '80s. Um, mid '80s would be where we're thinking at. Uh, shoot us off a text one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. We've got some text that we didn't get to earlier on talking about baseball. Uh, this comes in from Titan, uh, and we were talking about Tim Anderson and how brutal he's been this year. Correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Jose Ramirez catch Tim Anderson with a right hook a couple months back and scramble his eggs? Maybe another con- uh, contributing factor to the lack of his production at the plate. Yes, that did happen for sure. Uh, and Anderson has been. Poor, poor. Uh, from the King of Fort, nasty. Good morning, KK and Duke. Great work on the morning show thus far. Uh, very entertaining for a sports fan. So uh, the King of Fort, nasty, says, I don't keep up on baseball. I hear you discussing teams trying to get into the playoffs, but which teams are the favorite for the World Series this season? And in your opinion, who are the top three players in the big leagues. Well, Atlanta is obviously favored, one of the top favorites to win the World Series because the Braves have had an exceptional season. As far as the top three players go in the league, win healthy, the best player in baseball is Shohei Otani. That is hands down only because he does it all when he pitches and then when he hits. Uh, Besides Otani, the best player in baseball right now is Ronald Acuna Jr. for the Braves. Uh, He is putting up historic numbers. He has been amazing in the sense that he came off uh, an ACL injury. And he's been really phenomenal for the Atlanta Braves uh, this season. Um, Probably after that, uh, you know, I think you could kind of argue for Mookie Betts. You can argue for Freddie Freeman. Um, Those would probably be the top four. I mean... There's still some other guys out there that probably kind of... Does anyone strike your fancy other than that, Duke? I mean, the, the what I, and I mentioned it off the top of the hour when the... Um, and I'll mention it again here coming up. The Like, Matt Olson's has having a terrific, yep. terrific season down in Atlanta. And, and the Braves and Dodgers, as collectives, are just loaded. And so you could, like, kind of take your pick about almost any players on these teams, even some of their pitchers, of course. 
baseball is such a weird sport when you're talking about the best players in the league because you have your pitchers and you have your player, your your batting lineup. Yeah. And then with the batting lineup, you also have to consider their ability in the field and stuff. So it's almost like two different conversations uh, since the days of, you know, pitchers who rake uh, and, and batting in the NL are gone with the exception of Shohei Otani, who is just like, you say, it's, it's a, it's a non-starter that conversation when he's at full health. But mm-hmm. I think Acuna is a, a, a great second option there. And, and otherwise you can kind of go down the list and, and what Matt Olson's doing in Atlanta, considering that he was traded for the aforementioned Freddie Freeman <laughs> and still, and just kind of picking up right where Freeman left off down with the break. Very impressive, in my opinion. 51 homers already this year. For sure. Two of the best young players that probably are on the periphery of that list of the top three or four uh, would be Julio Rodriguez in in Seattle. Um, 30-30 club. uh, The only other Mariner to do that, I think, at that age is or close to it is is A-Rod in Seattle. Uh, for the Mariners. And then the other guy that's a young up-and-comer is Corbin Carroll for uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, I mean, this guy's got speed to burn. A little bit of power, actually, for for a guy that's sort of slight, decent defensively. But those are probably two of the uh, younger players that are coming up. Uh, Texter coming in for our question. The greatest oiler of all time, the greatest oilers, the top two or three in your mind, that uh, just played for Edmonton, present season excluded. Randy Gregg. Well, Randy Gregg played in Vancouver after he moved from the Oilers, but uh, very solid. Uh, one coming in uh, just, uh, oh, this is from Gregor. <laughs> hey, guys, Yellowhead Westbound is slow going, basically not moving at 108th Street. It's backed up all the way to 75th. Avoid it. Jason Gregor, our new traffic reporter. Thanks, Greg. Appreciate it. Uh, Kendall. His question for one of the best Oilers of all time just to play in Edmonton, Joaquin Gage. Um, another question, or Naz, uh, Mark Lamb. Um, Mark Lamb played elsewhere as well. Where did Lammer play? Lammer was everywhere. He's not just an Oiler. He was... Mark Lamb played in Calgary, Detroit. Ottawa, Philadelphia, Montreal. So you kind of forget that guys like that moved around. And that's why the question's so tough. Uh, any other uh, ideas for you, Duke? I mean, I know you've been kind of surfing here. I know you've been kind of checking well, I've, things I've, out. Well, I've mostly been doing some vetting on all the, the listeners' submissions over the text yeah. line here. And please okay. do text us to one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty if you if you got some guesses. And, uh, and, and some of the names, like, yes, they might have only played with the Oilers, but their careers were pretty brief overall. Yes. Like, Joaquin Gage top shelf guy uh, a, a tremendous uh, addition to the media scene here in Edmonton but like his actual games experience in the NHL is is very small right so it's yeah. hard to put him in that uh, that category of you know he was he technically a career oiler Yes, yes, but in very limited NHL games. 23 so, games for the Oilers. I've been doing some yeah. a little bit of vetting on guys' submissions just to make sure we uh, we get the right answers. But in terms of my own, like I, I cannot think of anybody outside of the present company. I met Joaquin Gage uh, in Prince Albert. He got traded to the Raiders back in 93 or 94. Uh, good guy. Lots of laughs. Funny. Gets it. Uh, does lots of stuff in the community. Um, Andy Moog obviously played in Boston. Um, the one text that did come in, and that is uh, probably the first pick, and it's probably the easiest one, is Oscar Clefbaum. 
Um, so Oscar Clefbaum is one that basically is one of the kind of no-brainers. Uh, pretty neat, though, that all the answers that are coming in, people forget that, yeah, it's tough to just play for one team in your career. It's tough. Uh, Texter comes in. Uh, Ryan Smith should have only played for the Oilers, still soured towards management at that time for trading him. That comes in from Victor. Uh, Steve McIntyre is another answer. Uh, did you check out Mac's... Uh, Mac with the games on the record for the Pittsburgh Penguins. So yeah, there's in, another one. Invalid entry. <laughs> Invalid. You're out. Uh, good stuff. Uh, top of the hour, we will check in with David Schlemko. Uh, also, Gene Principe is going to join us uh, at the top of the hour to kind of, well, uh, David and I will talk to Gene about his great career. And I mean, and Gene has had a, a fabulous career in broadcasting. I mean, go back to the 90s, early 90s, late 80s in Lethbridge and off to Winnipeg and then comes here and has been a stalwart on the Oilers broadcast as the host for for decades. So uh, uh, we'll uh, check in with Gene and David at the top of the hour. Also, uh, and, and uh, Schlemmer's lined this up, Willie Desjardins. As uh, will guest with us in uh, the ten o'clock hour, so uh, Willie will be with us as well. Uh, so David Schlemko, Gene Principe, top of the hour. Before that, here's a sports fourteen forty update with the Duke.